The excuses abound. It's not my place to say anything. What if they get angry or offended? Who am I to speak up? I've done lots of things worse than that. It's probably not that bad. I'm sure someone else will say something. All these excuses. But could it be that I'm just afraid? Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to the show. The Inner Life is our name and spiritual direction is our game. I'm Patrick Conley. Thanks for tuning in for this hour of spiritual direction on air and online. And when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he clearly was wrong. For until some people came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he began to draw back and separated himself because he was afraid of the circumcised. When I think of fraternal correction, seeking to admonish another brother or sister in Christ, this example from St. Paul's letter to the Galatians leaps to mind. Now, based on reading his letters, I've never thought of St. Paul as a pushover. He comes across to me, at least, of being more the zealous and brazen type which this particular passage affirms as well. But I can't think of many personal examples of where I could relate a similar situation, that I opposed someone to his face because he was clearly wrong. As I began, I often find some sort of excuse that helps me avoid confrontation. And on those rare occasions when I do actually speak up, it's with a rather high level of timidity. Still, Admonishing the sinner is one of the spiritual works of mercy and therefore incumbent upon faithful Catholics to do, as difficult as it may be. Today on the show, we're hoping to give and receive some counsel and advice in helping you better understand and better practice fraternal correction. Our spiritual director today is Father Bobby Blood. Father Blood is a priest of the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois, where he serves as the spiritual director and vice principal at St. Edward High School in Elgin. Father Blood, good to be with you. Thanks for joining us again. Of course, my pleasure. Any, any excuse to talk about correction? <laughs> oh boy, this might be a, more of a <laughs> naked show than I was anticipating it being here. Uh, if you have any words for me, Father, you just let me know. Um, yeah, right on through the show. Absolutely. Well, well it's fraternal correction, and you know, another passage of Scripture that comes to mind, Father, when I'm thinking of fraternal correction is straight from the, our Lord Himself. Um, this is from Matthew chapter 18, when he says, If a brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have won him over. If he does not listen, take one or two others. And then if he refuses to listen to them, tell the church. Shed some light on this passage for us, Father. I mean, wh- what is Jesus talking about here? And and is this just the prescription of how we are to embrace fraternal correction? I think it is. I also think it's... It's refreshing to see how practical the Lord's advice is here. Sometimes his his advice is sort of shielded in, in parables and, and, and reflections, but it's very straightforward. If a brother or sister is in need of correction, pull them aside one-on-one. And that's the most difficult reality, I think, of this gospel is the call to, to sort of pick yourself up by your bootstraps and be willing to have a hard conversation one-on-one because it's easier to talk in a big group. It's either easier to allude uh, to some issue. But he's saying, no, you got to go face-to-face like you started the show with, face-to-face, 
have the conversation. And then if it doesn't work, to realize, okay, it's not futile, bring another, have another civil conversation. And then if that still doesn't work, then bring in the church. And I think that idea that we we start first, sort of man-to-man, face-to-face, is a difficult but a worthy call of our Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're saying it's it's easier to talk in a group. It's also much easier, and this is one of the great temptations of avoiding fraternal correction, is to begin gossiping and slandering um, another person or detraction, you know, these sins that are actually causing division, further division between our, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And uh, But Jesus is pretty pretty open about this. Like you said, Father, face-to-face, one-on-one, um, well, any particular insight into why specifically that? Why why face-to-face and one-on-one? I mean, why not take another person along as a witness or a testimony um, with you in the first place? I think, one, um, folks should have the dignity of, of a human being. And, and, and sometimes when we bring in another, it, it can feel like an attack. It can feel like we're trying to sort of drag them through the mud or they might feel like, man, I'm I'm being ganged up on. But there's something vulnerable about one human being having having a difficult and real conversation with another because you almost have to let your own guard down in those moments where you're trying to call a brother on to more, brother or sister on to more, um, because you have to to be vulnerable and also um, be open uh, to backlash. They might not take it the way we want. They might you know disagree. They they might have a hard time with the correction. So it's a little riskier, but I but I think it reverences the personhood of of the other. Instead of just coming in and having a sort of intervention um, to sort of shock the person into changing, to just say, hey, I, I care for you. Yeah. And, and first and foremost, I, I want to share with you my care. Even to note, you know, at the beginning, he says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. It's presuming a relationship. I was talking to a priest this week about fraternal correction because I was kind of prepping for the show. And, and, and first and foremost, it starts with this idea that you're already a brother or sister. You're already in relationship. And so in that moment, we lean on, on that relationship first and foremost before bringing in a crowd. Yeah, yeah. Well, sticking with the face-to-face thing for a, a moment here. Now, uh, you know, occasionally we will get emails here on the inner life that uh, express some indignation, I suppose, at either something we said or some topic we covered or something like that. Uh, here on the show, and uh, email is a very convenient um, way of of communication, whether it be for good or for ill. Um, what about that? What about emails? I'm sure, Father, perhaps you receive similar emails or letters or that sort of thing based on homilies or something that you've said uh, in the in the confessional or something like that. What about written communication versus face to face? I mean, is is that even something that we want to wade into? I would say 90% of the time it's not helpful, especially if it's anonymous, but even in general, written text um, doesn't allow for so the sort of nuance of speech. And so you can't really experience um, the, the kindness that might be in the correction. It also doesn't allow for sort of a back and forth to come to a, a common understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I was a deacon, I wrote an article for a, a, just a diocesan magazine and I, I got an anonymous letter in the mail explaining that they didn't like one of the points that I'd made, and, and fair enough. Um, but because it was an anonymous letter, I was neighbor, never never able to have a conversation about what my intention was or clarify my point. And so their letter didn't cause me to change or grow in any way. It actually just caused me 
to, to be a little bit resentful and angry. Yeah. Um, and so we really have to sort of check ourselves and ask the question, do I desire the good of the other? Yeah. And, and am I stepping out with the hopes of some sort of real resolution? I think that's a very important point and something that just as you were saying that, Father, I was thinking, yeah, is this done in love? And as, as we know, that's the definition, Aquinas' definition of love, to, am I willing the good of the other as other? Am I looking forward in love to the correction of this brother or sister in Christ? Our spiritual director today is Father Bobby Blood, and he is leading us through a discussion on fraternal correction. If you've had to correct a friend, maybe a child, a coworker. How, how did you do it? Were you nervous? What was the conversation like? How did you see the hand of God in your correction? Maybe you yourself, um, somebody has approached you and offered some fraternal correction to you. How did you take it? How did you respond? What made the difference, whether it was well-received or perhaps not so well-received? Give us a call. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Our email address, if you'd prefer to send it that way, is innerlife@relevantradio.com. So, Father, let's just, I mean, the basics of fraternal correction. Um, what is different between fraternal correction and maybe just, you know, shaming someone, uh, you know, calling someone out on some uh, perhaps practice or language that they're using that you just disagree with or find distasteful? I think one of the biggest differences is um, the intention behind it is— um, for the good or the sanctity of the person we're correcting. So let's say it's hard for us to be around people who use bad language. We hear bad language and, and we sort of lash out like, don't say things like that. Well, are we doing that because we don't like to hear it and it, and it bothers us personally or because we want them to be holy and set apart? And in practice, they could look identical, but the intention and, and where it comes from is different. And so there's almost a a calmness in a reserved to fraternal correction. Uh, through seminary formation, you live in community, so there's a lot of opportunities for for <laughs> moments of correction, both receiving and giving. And oh boy, yeah. um, And I think in those moments, it's it's easy for us to respond quickly, but fraternal correction, I think, has to take prayer and, and has to take time um, to let something simmer to really ask the question. Um, why do they act the way that they are? Where is that coming from? And then also to sort of check ourselves and say, okay, where am I? Am I, am I being overly sensitive or is this something really that, that should be addressed? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And you mentioned seminary and seminary formation, that there's lots of opportunities there. I'll tell you another venue in which there's lots of opportunities is marriage. <laughs> there's, a, <laughs> there's a lot of opportunities for fraternal correction in marriage. And the nice thing about it, though, um, I have a strong relationship with my wife, and when she has something corrective to say to me, um, the the years of trust and love that I know are there helps to helps to solidify within me. You know, she's just seeking my good when she says this, and it's not. You know, there's there's a, kind of this foregone conclusion that that's what it's about. However. I will still say that it can happen that when I receive that, even from my wife, that there's this, I can feel the defenses rising in me, right? I want to justify, I want to even lash out in response to, well, you do this, you know, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. So maybe that's one of the things, one of the things that we need to start with is um, how do we prepare ourselves well to receive fraternal correction? Yeah. If, if I knew the answer to that one, I'd be a much better priest. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. Br- Brene Brown talks about the seven elements of trust. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think in a relationship, 
as brother and sister, as as married, as as brother priests, as as friends and companions in our parish life. Um, we should be striving to have trusting relationships so that when correction comes up, it's an arm of, of something that we, we already feel safe in. Right. And so I'd say one of the, the, the main elements that has really served my own formation is, um, she says, a, a generosity in assuming the good of the other. So um, that has sort of transformed my perspective of my encounters with people to realize that people don't act for an evil. They don't act for... Um, something harmful for, for, for the harm's intent. They're always acting towards a good. And so always assuming that the other person um, has some good intention, even if it's a lesser good or some sort of disordered good. And I think that helps if we, we live out of that perspective every day, prepares for those moments of correction. Um, I also think if, if we strive to um, live out of a place of affirmation, uh, recognizing the good in other people often, especially those who bother us, that also sort of softens the blow when correction comes. And and third and finally, maybe um, just giving ourselves the space, right? If we get corrected, to say thank you and then take it to prayer, take it to reflection, take it to talk with a brother and sort of process before we respond. Because we, we, we're naturally going to want to defend, even if we have a trusting, happy, holy relationships, we're, we're still going to want to make ourselves feel better. And so able, able to take a breath and, and maybe step away. Right, right. Again, we're speaking with our spiritual director, Father Bobby Blood, about fraternal correction. If you have an experience either giving or receiving some correction in your own life from a person, maybe it went well, maybe it went terribly. We'd love to hear the story either way, or maybe you have a question about how to give fraternal correction in a particular situation that you're facing right now. Give us a call. That's why we're here. 888-914-9149-888-914-9149. Father, okay, let's pivot now and... uh, go from receiving correction to giving uh, giving correction. So if we're giving correction, if um, what you, I mean, even before we get to the point of speaking to this other person, are there certain things we should be doing, attitudes we should be adopting before we hand out correction? Yeah, I, th- I think one of the first steps is um, t- to make sure that we're, we're looking at what beam is in our own eye. Yeah. Um, the scriptures talk about how you know you can't remove the splinter in someone's eye until you recognize that the beam in your own. And and I think I've noticed, at least in my experience, um, when things are bothersome, when I feel like I need to correct, oftentimes if I reflect they're doing something or acting in some way that I also do. Um, so um, to, to continue to do um, sort of an examine every day to ask the questions where are my intentions sort of jaded? Where is my attachment to sin? And sort of keeping our own house clean. So we want to make sure that um, we're not in a space where hypocrisy is our first step. So making sure we're making a good and, and holy confession, staying close to our Lord in prayer. Um, and then I would say taking the time to pour into the relationships of those whom we feel called to to help get to heaven. So I've got a handful of friends and, and I feel a certain call from the Lord to, to help them get to heaven. And so the Correction isn't the only step to do that. Sometimes it's checking in. Sometimes it's listening. Sometimes it's uh, setting aside time just to have fun. And so being intentional in life in general. And so when correction is a piece of that, it doesn't feel out of place, but it, it really kind of makes up the whole whole relationship. Yeah. I You brought up the the teaching that Jesus gives as well about uh, noticing the speck in your brother's eye when you have the log or plank in your own eye. And that's one of the things that I think oftentimes drives me to at least give a little more time um, to at least think about the situation and asking that question, am I really after the good of the other? Because 
I do. I don't want to. I don't want to come across as a hypocrite, and maybe that's something. Maybe that could even uh, filter into our language as we're offering correction and say, "Look, I'm not perfect either, or I've struggled with this as well." But maybe something like that, Father. Yeah, and and maybe even to find some common ground to say, I, you know, I I think it would be behoove you. I think it would be helpful if if maybe this behavior or thought pattern could shift. Is there any way I can support you in that? Mm. And so, um, to not just sort of throw their grenade of a correction and then run because it was uncomfortable, <laughs> but to say right. like I want to be with you in the midst of all of this. Um, and, and I think that that points to a lot of what we're talking about, that, that reality, like we have to go into the mess. You know, sometimes fraternal correction means I'm going to get into the weeds with another person or right. uh, what does Pope Francis say? You know, smell like the sheep, get in the midst with them. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a great point that, uh, yeah, if we're if we're willing to that can be a good check right there is that are we willing to help in uh, helping this person living out this correction and taking it to heart. And then what support can we give? Again, if you have anything to uh, to add to our conversation about fraternal correction, if you have a situation that you're facing, maybe you're afraid to say something to someone even right now. Give us a call. Join the conversation. 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Let's uh, take our first short break here on The Inner Life as we're speaking with our spiritual director, Father Bobby Blood, about fraternal correction. But we've got much more of the show coming up. So stay with us. If you have something to add to the conversation, 888-914-9149 is our phone number. Life at relevantradio.com is our email. We'll be right back right after this. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at RelevantRadio.com quest. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now you're going to hear about it. Oh, man. Welcome back to The Inner Life. Oh, when our producer Nick pulled that up, I thought, man, how wonderful for Seinfeld fans out there. Some of you are familiar with the, uh, the yes, the celebration of Festivus as being one of the uh, one of the traditions of Festivus. And if you're not, I forgive me, this will be very brief, but uh, the airing of grievances. Well, we're talking about fraternal correction here on The Inner Life today. And um Actually, let's take that as a jumping off point, Father, as ridiculous as it can seem. Um, it seems like uh, Frank Costanza, the George Costanza's dad there, as he's uh, starting to, to air his grievances about his family members around the table, um, that that might not be the best way of going about fraternal correction. I mean, there's a little bit about this. Um, we don't want to be coming from a place of of anger or personal perturbation, right? This is something like we want to be focused on the good of the other. Absolutely. You know, he, he definitely brought some heat. And I think yeah. we, we can all resonate with that. We get to a point where, you know, I've, I've been frustrated for so long, I'm going to blow my lid. And, and I think that gives us a practical example. Hey, maybe when something starts to bother us or we see some some behavior that's not so good, or maybe we slow down, take a breath, and, and have the hard conversation before it gets to the point where you blow up, uh, you know, Festivus. Yeah. <laughs> very good. Very good. All right. Let's go to the phones. We've got Nancy who's calling in from Minnesota. Nancy, welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks for calling in. 
Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I, as long as you're two men there listening to me, I'm thinking you might understand this more than I do. My husband seems to have a hard time when I give him any, uh, it's not criticism if I'd say, oh, put the knives upside down in the dishwasher or put some more butter in the pan when you're frying those. He says, okay, mommy. <laughs> it's very irritating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's a couple things at play. I, I think, um, one, you know, if, if that bothers you away from one of those situations, so I wouldn't say right after he does it, have the conversation, but away from one of those situations, being able to say, Hey, I, I just want to name how that makes me feel, right? Kind of put the, the modus operandi on ourselves to say, you know, when you say that it, it kind of, it, it feels awkward. It feels belittling, you know, so I just want to share with you, it's sort of, it doesn't sit totally right. Um, but then I would also ask the question, why does he respond that way? And so maybe in reflection to realize like, oh, well, he feels belittled or inadequate in some way. Like, oh man, I, I can't even put the knives in right. And so there's a personal frustration there. So I, I would say one, being able to be honest about how we feel in that situation and then also ask the question, where, where does that come from? Um, to realize, oh, that maybe that's why he's he's frustrated and jokes that way. That that doesn't feel super comfy. Yeah, Nancy, let me just follow up with you and ask. So, uh, is is that something you feel like you could do to have that kind of conversation with your husband? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But I think I've maybe done that already. But I maybe have done it at the wrong, you know, wrong timing. Mm-hmm. But I I think it's maybe the way I'm saying it, and it's like how you know I. Always like, okay, how can I say this that's not going to be offensive? Mm-hmm. It's just a comment. I'm not even trying to correct anybody, really. I'm making a comment. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I, and I think that's and that's normal. I think for for our intention and then the things we say, to, we can't really control how they're received or, or heard. We just kind of do our best to um, to present it in a way that's receivable. Yeah. Nancy, thanks for the call. Thanks for uh, calling in and being brave. And uh, we'll we'll pray for you. We'll pray that there's we all. I think all of us who are married anyway have have an understanding of those types of little conversations that maybe we don't realize. I know if I was saying something to my wife that uh, was actually getting under her skin and making her, uh, yeah, not her best self, then I would certainly want her to point it out. So I hope that that's the case with you and your husband as well. So thanks for calling in, Nancy. We're talking about fraternal correction here today on the inner life. And if you have a question about it, if you have been corrected or have given correction to someone else, how did it go? We'd love to hear about it and uh, glean some experience or from your experiential wisdom, glean some wisdom. So our phone number here at the inner life is 888-914-9149. Father, as we're talking about correction, what, what happens um, if we enter into giving a correction and then we find out we didn't know the whole story or maybe we're actually wrong about something. Maybe maybe we thought it was meant to be this way and actually it's not meant to be that way. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it takes grace to pivot um, because especially if, if correction is hard for you to give and you sort of worked up the energy to have a hard conversation and then and then they sort of explain, well, this is my intention, this is what was really going on, here's the full picture. It can be hard to, to, to sort of pivot back to, oh, okay, well, I was totally wrong. I'm glad we had this conversation, um, but um, yeah, I totally understand now, right? So I, I think it takes a, even more grace to be able to say like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I brought it up. I didn't know the full story. And then allow it to sort of drop to realize like, okay, 
I had the conversation. I, I followed what the, the Holy Spirit was asking me to do. And now we sort of um, let it run. And, yeah. and and other times, you know, we might meet somebody who's um, defensive and adamant that we're yeah. wrong and, right. and we're actually right. And that's yeah. it. I think that's a different situation. And, um, and in that, too, we're sort of called to um, recognize we did our part. We tried. Maybe we get in a situation where we can uh, bring in another person to have that conversation, but but sometimes animosity, or we realize, oh, I don't have the relationship needed to to do this sort of correction. At that point, I, you know, shake the dust from your sandals and and maybe keep going. You, mm-hmm. you you tried to do what the Lord asked. It seems like humility is one of the foundationally important attitudes that we need to adopt before entering into um, this type of fraternal correction, and whether it's giving or receiving, correct? Yeah, and and then it's, it's such a brutal virtue. It is. <laughs> um, I'm glad it, you think so too, Father. Yeah, but it touches everything. You know, in the yeah. way that we worship, we have to be reminded it's about God. In the way that we correct, we have to be reminded about it's about the other. You know, and 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 all these situations, it's um, striving to make ourselves small so that the presence of God might be experienced and felt. And so some of that comes down to practice. Um, corrections are going to go poorly and we just sort of reset the deck and and try again the next day yeah yeah it's a good point our spirit director father bobby blood as we're talking about fraternal correction here on the show if you've received or given a correction and it went or if it went terribly give us a call let us know share the story with others and help us all to learn from it 888-914-9149 is our phone number 888-914-9149 and our our email address is innerlife at relevantradio.com so, Father, you mentioned before being in the midst of uh, seminary formation and having plentiful opportunities to uh, offer and receive correction. Any any ones that you'd care to share on air? Oh, man. How much time we got? <laughs> um, no, I, what's interesting is I think some folks maybe have a harder time receiving correction and some folks have a harder time giving refl- um, correction. I think of one of my closest priest buddies is he's so humble and kind. And if I corrected him on anything, he, he would be over the moon. He would love it. Mm. Um, but if I said, hey, I, I really think you need to talk to so-and-so about this, he wouldn't do it. You know, So for him, um, offering correction is much harder. For me, I, I actually don't mind offering correction. <laughs> uh, but receiving <laughs> correction is tough. I, I remember I was... Um, in charge of setting up for a, a seminary party we had once a month. And it's as exciting as it sounds, board games galore. And <laughs> the guy who was in charge of me, you know, came down. And after I spent an hour setting the tables up, he said, actually, you know, we can't have the tables this way because of X, Y, and Z. And he was right, but I blew my lid because oh. I just spent all this time and I didn't feel appreciated. I just kind of exploded. And, and so then I had to kind of go back an hour later and say, hey, that was totally wrong. I'm so sorry. And I went down and, and fixed everything. But I think of those, I think of the moments mostly where I failed, um, whether it was giving or, or receiving corrections, where I, I just need a little bit of time and space to realize, okay, I'm taking myself too seriously. Mm. And I think that was my experience sometimes with my formators, sometimes with my brothers. Why do I take all of this so seriously? And, and then it comes back down to what we're talking about with humility. You know, you got a huge ego and you got to let some of the, that air out. Um, right. So I, I think of now as a priest, you know, uh, after Sunday Mass, I travel around to different parishes every week, and a lot of folks have different ideas and, and thoughts they want to share about their pastor since I'm an outsider priest. And, you know, sometimes that's helpful, but a lot of times it's, oh, let's slow down. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not the guy for this, you know. So yeah. 
through those years of formation, I realized, you know, we just have to sort of learn how to hit the break and wait for the right moment and sort of pick our spots when it comes to correction. I think that's fair enough. And I think that, uh, you know, obviously, like going back to the Seinfeld clip, that uh, maybe around the dinner table when there's a bunch of other people there and guests and that sort of thing, that's not the time to to start it up. But to prayerfully enter into a, a quiet conversation between the two of you where you can both be expressive, and but you still have the the privacy to be able to be honest with one another, too. Speaking about fraternal correction here on the show today, 888-914-9149 is our, is our number. And give us a call if you have a question about, maybe you're afraid to say something to someone right now and you'd like some advice. I'd love to jump in with our spiritual director, Father Bobby Blood, uh, here on The Inner Life. Um, let's go, yeah, let's go back to the phones now. We've got Rick who's calling in from Wisconsin. Rick, thanks for calling in to The Inner Life. And yeah, what have you got for us? Yeah, hey guys. Uh, interesting topic. When I heard the lady talking about the forks and spoons and things like that, I thought maybe a comment like that isn't even necessary. So I think for me personally, I would question whether or not instruction is really beneficial. So silence is uh, something I struggle with and I think would be beneficial most times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And, and sometimes that's a, that's a lesson we learn after we didn't choose silence. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, yeah. So, Rick, if just to just to go back to you for a second, so um, silence. You're saying that uh, sometimes it, is it harder for you to remain silent in certain situations like that? I mean, do you have to tell yourself to remain that way? Absolutely. A colleague of mine gave me a really nice acronym, which I've used now for several years, and it's the acronym WAIT. And the W A I T stands for Why Am I Talking? Or texting, or typing an email, and I'm forever thankful to her for that counsel. And so, yeah, that's where I, that's where it comes from. Oh, that's gold. Why am I? Which is why I hesitated. I hesitated to call because I was like, "What should I be calling?" (laughs) Why am I calling? Yeah, right. Exactly. Why am I even saying anything? So, yeah. But I thought that might be helpful. Thank Rick, you. just uh, yeah, just sharing that is helpful enough. So thank you so much for calling in. And uh, it's true, it's true. If we're thinking about it, that yeah, there are times when it is probably better to to just remain silent, not out of again fear or timidity, but just saying, look, I'm either not the person, I'm I'm uh, not in relationship deeply enough with this person, et cetera, et cetera. So. Good things to consider as we're talking about fraternal correction, giving fraternal correction, correcting our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Let's go now to Camille calling in from San Jose, California. Good morning, Camille. Thanks for calling The Inner Life. Good morning. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me on. My sure. Mine is a little different. Um, so my husband has been very super sensitive to correction. He gets really, really offended. If I, because I'm, is if I'm treating him like a child <laughs> instead of seeing it out of love. So he, with that being said, then he holds me back from correcting our children, our young adult children now. And so I find that really frustrating because he's afraid of it. Now he's afraid to correct them hmm. and holds me back from that. So. Any comments on that? Yeah, <laughs> life is <laughs> life is nuanced, um, and I would say there's something beautiful about 
um, two individuals who have maybe a different perspective or different tendency. Um, I, I can imagine you feel the tenseness um, in those situations, but I think sometimes it's in that tension where we can find sort of um, uh, a complete wisdom. So if he's uh, hesitant or, or maybe a little more uh, hands-off when it comes to correction and, and you want to come guns blazing, maybe there's something in the middle where, you know, Together you can discern what spots can you pick, um, what are the ones that are worth sort of entering into difficult conversation, and and maybe you guys can call each other back to the the, the middle in certain situations. Um, but I think too, beyond just maybe they're learning from from the example of your husband. I I think our culture in general, especially with young people, there's a hesitancy to to tell anyone that they're they're wrong or, or maybe could be doing better, and I think they're probably getting that from all sides. And so I think that's a that's a difficulty with young adults in general. I think across the board. Mm. Yeah, it's a good point, and that Camille brings up, and especially when we're talking about uh, correcting our kids, especially as their parents. I'm, um, you know, we live in a society a little bit different than I don't know, fifty, sixty years ago when. It was kind of a communal effort to uh, that adults just had this liberty to correct kids, and I'm not weighing in one way or the other on that. I'm just saying where it's different. But uh, but when we are the parents, um, maybe practicing good practices of correction when it comes to our kids uh, that can get us into a good practice of offering correction to others, uh, other adults. What do you think, Father? I think that's great, and and. Uh, from my perspective, I, I will weigh in at it. You know, I, so I work full time in a school, and so we've got students, you know, from from eight to three every day, and we we do our best to to offer a well rounded Catholic perspective to to education and formation. But I'd be naive to think that what we can do in that that short amount of time can really transform an individual. Mm. Um, we really need both the, the foundation and the support of parents who are, who are willing to, to have hard conversations. And I, yeah. and I think it, it's hard, but again, I think practice makes perfect. And, and as parents, there's a certain level of a spiritual authority you have over your children. So when, when you say you're coming to mass, I, I don't care if you're sleepy, um, that will, will help form them when it comes to, to bigger decisions. And it also will allow for us to learn maybe the vocabulary, like, oh, if, if I correct in this way, they respond poorly, but if I ask questions, if I listen and then kind of offer kind of what, here's the rules and I'm clear about those, they respond a little better. So I would say just try new things in the way we have these conversations with, with our children in hopes that we can build that foundation where my kids trust that I know uh, better and also that I will their good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. Our spiritual director, Father Bobby Blood, is leading us through a conversation on fraternal correction. If you have an experience of giving or receiving correction that has been beneficial to you, or actually maybe it injured your spiritual life, let us know. Give us a call and join the conversation, 888-914-9149, or send us an email, relevantradio.com. We'll be back with more of the show right after this short break, so stay with us. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at RelevantRadio.com slash quest. (music) 
Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. I'm Patrick Conley. My thanks to Nick Santovich, our producer, Thomas Engeser, taking your phone calls, and our spiritual director, Father Bobby Blood, leading us through a discussion on fraternal correction. As we said in our little chit-chat before the show, everybody's favorite topic, right? And specifically, Father, I'm, I think I'm speaking for many, many laity out there, um, and I'm going to ask this of you to speak for many, many priests out there as well. There may be times that come up when we'd like to offer a word of correction to our priest, to our spiritual, the, the one in spiritual authority over us, or perhaps it's maybe a different uh, authority. Maybe it's a boss. Um, yeah, maybe it's a parent without overstepping our bounds. So what what would your advice be for offering fraternal correction to maybe priests specifically, but anybody in authority? Yeah, I, I think it's a it's a touchy subject. Um, if you know your priest well and he knows you, it makes it a little easier. But let's say you're in a large parish and and you don't know him as well, he doesn't know you, I would say my first piece of advice is um, talking to him after Mass on a Sunday mm. is not going to help. Okay. Um, because he's probably tired. Surprisingly enough, greeting before and after Masses and offering the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, it takes a lot out of you. And so in those moments, you're you're trying to shake hands. There's a lot of people passing by. Um, and that's oftentimes where uh, folks want to offer thoughts, feelings, corrections. Um, and, and a priest is not going to be in a great space to receive that and also have the time and space to have a dialogue. And I think especially when we're talking with priests or, or really any sort of authority, um, there should be a rapport and a dialogue. Um, it's not, again, we can't just sort of um, throw a bunch of things out and then, and then hope that they'll just nod and move on, um, but have to really kind of talk through these things. So I would say if it's important enough to correct, it's important enough to set up a meeting, to be able to call the office, hey, does Father have time to meet, or send an email and set up a time to meet. Um, I would say, again, um, in person is, is just better. Um, sending an email of correction, um, again, it, it could be beneficial, you know, if you feel compelled and, and you pray to the Lord and he said that's the way to go, fine. But I would say try to set up time if it's important and also to, to share from your perspective. You know, Father, I, I care about you. I care about this parish and I really want what's best for everybody involved. And and when this happens, when you do this, this is how it feels. This is how I kind of am experiencing it. And I just want this to be a, a safe and full home. Um, so I would say with, with priests, it's, it's creating that space um, and then also recognizing that um, you're one of, of a thousand people, and so you're not the only person correcting um, him at, or or the parish. And so he might be trying, and it might take time. And um, and so then I would just pray for patience to realize that, um, again, uh, uh, generosity of assuming the good, he's probably going to work on it, but he's not going to have perfection. And so just sort of to take a breath and realize that, and, and then maybe to zoom out a little bit with with bosses and, and, and other roles, um, I would say, Yes, it's two human beings have a con having a conversation, but recognize the office. Um, there's a certain reverence we have to have for those in authority over us. So when I talk to, to my bishop, there's a certain deference, there's a certain humility that I bring to the table. Even when it feels like it's two brothers talking, there's always a reminder that, but this is my spiritual authority or this is my boss. Right. And I, I don't want to speak out of turn or, or not choose my words wisely. Yeah. And just to clarify, I mean, offering fraternal correction is not uh, transgressing the vow of obedience that, for instance, you've made to your bishop, correct? 
Correct. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it, it, it'd be, you know, something extrinsic and I, I probably wouldn't, uh, I don't know if the Lord would do that to me. Ask me to be the one to fraternally correct a bishop, but, um, well, good point. Yes. But, but, but there could be a moment in a workplace where a boss is doing something or has some expectation, which, right. which is unfair, right? I'm, I'm expecting you to come in and work over 40 hours, but you're not being paid for it. Those sorts of things should be talked about, but again, in a way that's sort of healthy and holistic. Right. All right, very good. We've had a uh, a call come in for an off air question. Father um, said the uh, caller came in and said, "I have a coworker who is persistently and consistently late. I have confronted her many times." The caller asks, and so the caller says, "So the caller, I don't know, male or female, um, is asking, what should I do? Yeah. Any thoughts on that?" Yeah, not not knowing the whole office dynamic, I don't I don't know that I could give maybe the 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 silver bullet of advice, but I would say if it is harming your work in some way, like you're not able to fully do your job because of of their tardiness, then I would say, you know, maybe have pull in another coworker and talk about it or or maybe you have to have a, a conversation with your supervisor, right? Quote unquote bringing in the church talking to a supervisor. Um, but if it just bothers you that they're late, but it isn't directly affecting you, if if they don't take the correction, then that's sort of on the superior to take care of. And we don't really have to continue to get in those weeds. So I would say, yeah, they're late and that's okay. The important thing for you to do is um, to just sink your roots deep in what you know you have to do and kind of keep pushing through. Mm-hmm. All right. Very good. Well, Father, going back to the Matthew passage that we began with about uh, Jesus' instructions on how if a brother has sinned against you and uh, you're going to tell him his fault one-on-one, first face-to-face one-on-one, and then maybe take one or two others if he doesn't listen to that, and if he doesn't listen to the two or three of you, then to take the church. I'm just thinking here that, uh, again, uh, this this instruction by Jesus to approach the person one-on-one in many situations, I think, and speaking from my own experience, when I'm uh, either too timid or not wanting to um, not wanting to go and correct, then the, the temptation that immediately jumps up is, no, don't talk to the person, talk to everybody else about the person. And, and what we know is gossip, right? And, and we'll start saying, okay, or detraction, that we're going to go and start talking about this person and the whatever it is their um, their practices their language that we find so distasteful and uh, that I just I guess I want to outline that and why is gossip why is it so destructive I guess that's the question well I I think maybe most obviously it's destructive because we're we're sort of belittling another person but I would say it's it's bigger than that in the sense of oftentimes when we gossip instead of having the the one on one conversation. We're trying to find a way to cope with big feelings. So we see something that frustrates us or we, we don't like, and we're trying to cope with it by by venting. And sometimes we justify it. So we, we're not going to call it gossip. Um, it's venting. I got right. to get, you know, vented out. Um, there's something about that where we can find one person and share some of the heaviness or the frustration, somebody outside of the situation maybe. Um, but oftentimes when, what we call venting is I'm just going to just kind of rant around these group of people who knows this person, who they, they're also probably bothered by them. And the problem with that is at the end of our vent session, at the end of the gossip train, there's no sort of peace um, the hope is if I get it out of my system, I'm going to feel better, but it's actually going to um, sort of stir up that resentment and frustration. So it's worse in you 
but now you've also brought other people into those ill feelings. Mm -hmm. So instead of sort of processing and, and finding the healthy way to get it out, we've now sort of um, blown it out of proportion. Yeah, yeah. Maybe this is an off-shared uh, bit of advice, but I heard a bit of advice once, and I can't remember where I heard it about uh, specifically avoiding gossip. And uh, it says, well, you know, there there are three elements to gossip. You know, you can you you say the person, you identify who the individual is that you're talking about, you identify the issue that you find so disgusting or distasteful, right? And um, you're sharing that then with other people. And one of the things said, well, with those three elements, if you want to avoid gossip, you get to do two out of the three. And so either you don't, you just say, you don't identify the person. So you say, well, this is going on. I won't say by whom, but this is going on and it's bothering me, you know, to somebody else. Or you identify the person saying, well, this is, uh, there's just something about Brad, you know, um, but I, that's all I want to say. Or you can identify the person and you can identify the issue, but you then don't, don't say it out loud. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's, that's actually not bad. I don't know that it's perfect, but it's not bad. I thought in avoiding gossip. Yeah. It sort of, it sort of sets the stage for at, at least a, a fail safe. So yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're speaking about fraternal correction here on the inner life today. If you have an experience of fraternal correction you'd like to share, if you have a question about it, if you're facing a situation of it where it's it's warranted right now and you have a question or if you're afraid to speak to somebody, give us a call. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Or send us an email, relevantradio.com. Well, Father, one of the things, too, I think when it comes to fraternal correction, like we go back to the St. Paul passage when he opposes St. Peter to his face. I mean, he is seeing issues of sin involved here, you know, that um, St. Peter is compelling the the Gentiles to live as Jews. Yet before the delegation of Jews came, he was living like the Gentiles. So um, St. Paul was saying, look, you're being disingenuous. You're you're uh, in a sense you're discoloring the gospel here in front of our, in front of our Gentile converts. But, uh, you know, things like you mentioned, like setting up tables in a particular way, there may or may not be an obvious sin involved, but we, do we still call both of those categories fraternal correction? Um, maybe, maybe not. I, I think when we talk about fraternal correction, oftentimes we're, we're maybe speaking more about the things that have bearing on the soul. And so sometimes that plays out when you're, you know, doing a chore or whatever, maybe I'm doing it wrongly out of obstinance or disrespect for a superior, then we sort of get into the territory of it bears on the soul. But I, but I think with fraternal correction, we're really dealing with spiritual matters. So it's not, it really bothers me that you chew with your mouth open. Um, <laughs> right. uh, it's more, hey, this, this thing is actually harming you and it's harming the people around you and it really needs to stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. And that's that was kind of my thought too, but uh, I know that sometimes it's a it can be a little bit uh well, hard to figure out exactly. I mean, am I am I doing this again? I mean, it comes down to am I am I offering this correction out of love for another or is it just something that I'm uh bothered by? And what's what's the role would you say father of affirmation in fraternal correction? I mean, you've mentioned this some before is that you're at least affirming the relationship when you go that's a good tack to take when you're offering correction is saying that look, I I I want this for you um and I'm here to support you, but how do we affirm the other person that we're giving uh giving affirmation to? 
I think it could play out in different ways. I, I think maybe an obvious way is, is the correction sandwich, right? Affirmation, correction, affirmation. It's a little easier for somebody to swallow. Um, but I also think if we're taking the time to fraternally to call somebody on some more, we are sort of naming that we think they're they're able to do better. They have the ability to do better. And I think that yeah. in its own way is an affirmation. Um, and then also this idea that you're worthy of more. You're so good um, that you're worthy of, of more than that sin or, or that, that, that behavior. Um, but I think even as simply as um, being able to, to continue to, to name the good as we name the bad, it, it just makes it a little more palatable because you realize, well, this person does love me. Yeah. Even if they know it, when we're being corrected, sometimes the brain can start to run and the evil one can start to whisper and, well, they don't really care for me. They, they're correcting me. They, they they think little of me. So it's important for us to sort of cut that to the quick and just say, no, like, I actually do care for you. Yeah, trying to lower the defenses in advance, as it were, right? And trying to say that, look, this is something that's coming out of a, a, a concern for you and a care for you um, that I genuinely have. One other thing, uh, just in our last couple minutes here, Father, that um, just struck me too as we're, again, going back to the speck and the log and uh, trying not to come across as hypocritical, it might be good to do a good examination of conscience before we go into a situation, especially of offering some pretty serious fraternal correction. Absolutely. Yeah, taking that time with the Lord and really to, to ask the question, am I in the place mentally, spiritually, to have this hard conversation? Um, is this something that is of the Lord that I'm being called to by Him? Because I, I think that's, it's a powerful reality to know the accessibility of our Lord to know like, okay, is, is He with me in this? Or is this some some sort of vain <laughs> desire to correct out of my own brokenness? And, and I think especially daily, being able to have that interior dialogue of I, we should first and foremost be able to correct ourselves to, to be able to see where is it that I'm faltering and, and where is it that I can tighten my own screws before I move on to the next. And it may be, I, I, this is again, just right off the top of my head, but in a situation like that, in one humble way, boy, this is really putting stuff out there. I don't know if I have the guts to do this, but if you offer fraternal correction to another Maybe you could turn around and ask that other person, brother, do you have anything that you would like to tell me? Is there anything that... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I have the guts to do that. I, I think I you're making saints today, Patrick. I think, <laughs> I think we're making saints. Oh, man. Well, let's hope so. Let's hope God is making saints through us, right? Well, Father, I thank you so much for being my conversation partner and our spiritual director here today as we've been talking about fraternal correction. Not an easy thing to do but uh, something that can indeed build up the church and make those saints that you're talking about. Father, as you know, we always like to close the show with a blessing. So if you would, please. Through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Father, we ask your blessing upon our sons and daughters. Give us wisdom. Give us humility. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Bobby Blood has been our spiritual director today, and we have been speaking about fraternal correction. If you missed any part of the show or want to share it with others, Inner, or excuse me, relevantradio.com slash inner life is a place to find our archive shows there. You can like and share any of those shows that you find there. Coming up next, of course, is the Holy Sacrifice in the Mass with Father Rich Getchell. On Monday, we're going to explore the Eastern Catholic Churches with, uh, yeah, with Core Bishop Charbel Maroon uh, from the Twin Cities of Minnesota. And he's going to tell us, lead us into a discussion about that. I'm looking forward to that. Hope you have a great weekend. Until next time. Grace and peace.